Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Sunday School Extra for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines, and this will be uh, episode number one of our Sunday School Extra series. Uh, This particular study that we're doing today is actually going to be uh, following up on a previous uh, Sunday School lesson that we had where we Uh, covered uh, the book of John chapter 3, and specifically in the areas of verses 16 through 21. Uh, There are some new things that I wanted to try to introduce in this particular study uh, in addition to the other one. Uh, If you didn't see the other one, that's that's fine. You can always uh, go back into our archives and look at those, but we're kind of treating this as a new lesson uh, for what it's worth, and this is for all of our online members, the friends uh, of our Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, the people of our church who uh, follow us uh, every week uh, with our Sunday school, uh, live stream Sunday school, as well as our sermons that we post online as well, too. And for those who are at Akron, Ohio, who also attend our church, uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you continuing to support and follow us. Um, let's go ahead and get started with this particular Sunday school extra, and let's go to look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to review your word, study and look at it. And just, Lord, we thank you for the presence of the spirit that provides the wisdom and knowledge that we need to truly uh, understand what you're saying to us. We thank you for the opportunities we have just to get before you in your word. We thank you, Lord, for how you teach us. When we're ready to listen, you're always providing what we need to know. Thank you, Lord. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 16 through 21. Uh, this will uh, shouldn't be a very long study, but the content is very uh, deep indeed. It, it's something that, of course, is centered around the message that Jesus gives to us uh, and communicates with us. And this, of course, is the uh, communication that takes place right after uh, having a conversation with uh, Nicodemus. Now, let me just say this. I think that conversation continues through this particular section here, but it's almost as if God is giving us something here very clear for us to understand. And I, so I want to make sure that we look at it from that standpoint. So let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16, and we're going to read through to verse 21. Of course, these are all the words of Jesus that are being spoken. Let's start with verse number 16. Uh, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Verse 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Verse 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their fear their sins, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Okay, that is John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. That was from the New Living Translation, and there are some 
words that we'll use here to further expound upon this study here. A lot of the focus is going to be, of course, on Jesus' message. He was communicating with Nicodemus prior to this and and was making the statement essentially that um, he was establishing who he was. He was establishing his deity, uh, that he is the one who had come from heaven. Uh, no one who, no man who goes to heaven came back out of it, but, but Jesus came down from heaven. And essentially he is giving uh, a message here to us about his love, God's love for us and what he would do uh, for us on the cross. So back to verse 16. Of course, this is the message of good news. This is the good news message here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And, of course, when we're talking about perish, we're not speaking of anything uh, other than the fact that uh, if you die without the Lord, if you die without Christ, uh, you indeed are... Uh, going to perish you're going to be subject to eternal separation from the father but eternal life is the goal here if you believe in jesus and you believe that he is lord and savior you'll have eternal life um and we need to make sure that we're communicating a couple of things here about this particular section first of all um jesus giving of himself that's an important and it's, it's important for individuals to be born again of course, Nicodemus was having the conversation about being born again. What does that mean? Going back into my mother's womb. And, and he was totally confounded by that. But uh, Jesus challenged him to expand and go beyond uh, what he senses to be physical. But now we're talking about the spiritual movement here. The spiritual uh, rebirth uh, needs to take place. You're born once from a mother um, and then you'll die. But you're born. You can be born again because you believe in Jesus is Lord because all of us are born in sin. So we have to make a declaration at some point in our lifetime that Jesus is Lord, the one who created us, the one who made us, the one who knows all about us, the one who knows the hearts of every person. We need to make an acknowledgement of some sort that Jesus is responsible for our very existence and acknowledge him. And I think that's that's really, uh, if you get right down to it, the most important thing and what he was doing for us was giving us a remedy for our sin. The fact that he uh, is telling us we need to be born again, we need to be born spiritually, and we want to make sure that we understand, too, that Jesus had the authority to make this statement because of what he was going to do for us. He was going to go to the cross, and he was going to also be resurrected. And that resurrection must take place. The resurrection had to take place to essentially seal the fact that we indeed had um, eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ because of that sacrifice he made for us. That was the provision that God, that propitiation for our sins that God put in place for us. And that was put in place long before, um, honestly, long before Adam. I think it was has always been in place. It's always been there as the plan. Um, that God would have for us to redeem us because he loves us that much. So we see that love for us in that manner. And that love, God loved the world, so that means God would provide salvation for the world. And that's what it is mentioned also in verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. 
He is our salvation. He is the reason why we have salvation. There's no other methodology. There's no other way that we have salvation except for what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, paying for the penalty for our sin on the cross and rising from the dead three days later, just as it was prophesied, just as it was told that he would do. So we have to be born again in order to uh, understand that we will have eternal life because we have to believe that Jesus indeed paid the penalty for our sin, that he indeed is the one that we look to for this regeneration of our very souls, the the things that are going to take place uh, when we leave here and uh, the fact that um, uh, we will be also joined with Christ in new bodies that's all, you know, talk for the future for all of us. It's something for us to look forward to, and it's something that we trust is going to happen in faith. And that's exactly what we're looking at. Now, why did God do what he did by providing Jesus Christ uh, as the Savior for us? Why did he do that? Um, he did it um, because of his grace. And even though he loves us, it's not the love itself that provides salvation. It was the effort that Jesus gave on the cross for us. But it's grace that he extends to us. That's the reason why we have salvation. Please take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's very important to come back and remember that God was very gracious to us. God has been very gracious to us and he has always been gracious um, and he is long-suffering. He is, he's been very patient with us. He has been very um, waiting for us to come to him. But we recognize that we don't have any control over the salvation, do we? It's because of God's grace that we have it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are the passages that we want to look at here. And so our salvation has to do with grace. Verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2. This is the Christian Standard Bible that I'm reading from. Verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. Amen. Not from works. You can't save yourself. Uh, You can't do anything to save yourself. It has to do with Jesus making the provision for us. Um, It would be a miserable, miserable life if we had no one to look to uh, or nothing to look forward to when we when we finally died. I mean, that's but and that's the ultimately the fact that we have this word in front of us. We have the word given to us that gives us hope, gives us a future. Um, There's a plan for us. Jesus said in his word that he has a place planned for us um, in, in with salvation. Uh, in heaven with him and we want to make sure that we understand that Um, and it goes far beyond you know when we read about uh, in in the book of Luke about the rich man and Lazarus and where uh, Lazarus uh, is the one who is in Abraham's bosom that's essentially paradise and that is not necessarily heaven it's just a place that has been as a provision for those who died and, and had a relationship with the Lord. But heaven is a much different place, a much better place, a much more expansive place by all we can understand because we know that the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven. Um, this is after, this is in the book of Revelation, right at the end. 
So heaven's a very expansive place, but it's a place where we will have fellowship. We will be residing with Jesus Christ because we believe in him as Lord and Savior. And it's because of his grace that we have that opportunity to do so. We can't boast about anything we've done because we don't, we don't do a doggone thing uh, for our salvation other than believe in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's interesting how the Spirit speaks to people and touches them and gives them information about who Jesus is and communicates with them. And you have to understand that the Spirit is, it has the intent of reaching every person uh, for, in salvation for Jesus Christ, but not every person wants to listen. So it really does come down to how you respond to what Jesus has said to you, how you have responded to his call. We trust him as the one who bore the penalty for our sins. We trust him to do those very things. He died in our place. He did he indeed, 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 indeed did, say that fast five times, indeed did die in our place. And we have to recognize that you have to recognize that he died for you. He died for me. No question. But you have to also recognize that he died for you. You have to personalize this faith that you have with Jesus Christ and personalize it in such a way where you truly believe that he did give of himself for you. God, in verse 17, again, it says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's important for us to see. And you can switch the word judge um, to condemn. Condemn is the word that you'll see in other versions of the Bible as well, too. In fact, in the King James Version, I'm going to read to you verses 17 and 18 in the King James. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. So what does this mean? Because we need to recognize that Many of the Old Testament prophets um, uh, said that Jesus would come back and return as a judge. Now, he is making a statement in this passage that he is not coming to judge at this particular time when he made the appearance. He is, when he returns again at his second coming, he will be a judge at that point. He will be the acting judge, the one who is the arbiter over uh, any issues regarding a relationship with him and he ultimately will be the judge at that point. But at right now, and when I say right now, during this time before he went to the cross, he is showing that he is not there to judge the world, but to save the world. He's specifically fulfilling the role in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. He's fulfilling the role of Savior. He is the provision of, uh, that saves the entire world. Is being put in place at that point. When he goes to the cross, that means that anyone, regardless of background, regardless of their uh, ethnic persuasion, regardless of language, anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is saved and will indeed uh, have fellowship with him in heaven. He, they, will go to, they will go to heaven when they die. And that's important for us to see. Jesus was not the judge the first time around. He made it very clear, though, that he wanted to... Uh, essentially uh, be the judge eventually over him and, and that's a judge over people 
but that's just not at this particular time. Not at this time. At first, he was a savior. Later, he's going to come as a judge. Um, and God sent him to be the savior. Save the world. There was no provision for the world being saved in place until Jesus came and then Jesus died on the cross and then was resurrected. He is the savior of the world. And when we look at what God has done for us, the grace that he extended to us, the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross for us, there's no other way to look at it than that was just love that went for what he did. He loved us that much that he died in our place. We no longer are con under condemnation because of this everlasting life because of what Jesus did for us. Now, keep in mind, too, that this communication was after he'd spoken to Nicodemus, and it was believed, uh, according to what it said in Scripture, that Jesus would return as a judge um, at some point. But they, of course... You know, if you ask the question today, they dispute that some of the Jews dispute whether or not Jesus even came back. And they believe that he will return at some point just based upon what their understanding is. Then he will return as a judge. That's what they believe, according to the word. And that comes from Psalm 2, verse 9. We can we can turn to that. Psalm chapter 2, verse 9. And remember, the Psalms were written uh, for a person who was trying to be obedient to the actual Mosaic law and was following the instructions of the book. Just like the Psalms say, the Psalms are a book of instruction. The Psalms are a book that give us, give us guidance uh, about how to live our lives. And so it's always valuable to look at what the Psalms say, even though these are essentially songs that are written, the lyrics of songs. But look what it says about, this is actually speaking about Jesus. The coronation of the Son is the heading in Psalm chapter 2. Verse 9, it says, You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. And he is referring to how he is going to be over the nations. And if, if those nations who are uncooperative, guess what? He's going to be a judge. And so that's the terminology that's being used right here. Um, in Daniel chapter 7, um, let me see if I can get to it real quick here. Daniel chapter 7. Okay. Get past Ezekiel. There we go. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Just another example about how the prophecy is in place about Jesus returning as a judge. Daniel 7, verse 13. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming from the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people nation and language should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion 
that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed and we need to see that he indeed is going to be the king that returns again that's why we make a big uh, statement over and over again about yes Jesus died on the cross for us and he died for the purposes of providing salvation for his people but when he returns again he will be king he will be the king of kings and lord of lords that is the way it is written that's the way scripture represents him um, and his name is written on his thigh um, that he's going to be king of kings lord of lords and and that's what we need to look forward to uh, his return his return is every day that goes by is one day closer to his return amen um, but in in the meantime we have work to do here on earth to make sure that we are proclaiming this gospel of truth the good news and make sure that people are aware of the good news there are many people in our midst that are in are in desperate need of a savior of, of the savior jesus christ in desperate need they may not realize it they may not know it satan may have them buffaloed to the point where they don't believe that they need a god in their lives but when jesus was speaking to nicodemus he was letting him know that the most important thing was that yes jesus is returning but right now the most important thing for him to do was to agree and acknowledge that Jesus was going to be the one who provided eternal life for him. He did not come to condemn or judge the world at that moment, but he came to save the world. And at the end of the day, the message is that Christ, under Christ, there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation under Christ. You are not condemned. You're not going to be judged in such a manner. Um, once you're a believer, you will face a judgment seat, but it's going to essentially be how good of a believer were you uh, or at that point. Um, and that's what we need to recognize, too. Um, and first of all, the other thing, too, is that in this time, in this age of grace, our world is already in desperate trouble. Amen. We we have a we live in a lost world. We know that the world is going to become under a final judgment at some point. And those that remain who are lost will be uh, part of that judgment the part of the world uh, for what it's worth the world ending as we know it and understand it um, where there won't be any more oceans it'll just be uh, a place but we, we need to recognize this is well after the thousand year millennial reign of Christ this is after uh, all of those things and so we have to recognize that this is what is being foretold in scripture and the world is in desperate shape and that's why the world needs the gospel of jesus christ plain and simple the world needs the gospel we are here for the sole purpose of glorifying god and preaching the gospel of jesus christ and preaching the gospel of jesus christ is something that the more you develop your faith in the lord jesus christ the more that you're going to be convicted to do so and do so with boldness we we have uh, an opportunity to make sure that everyone um that we speak to who is curious about jesus christ that we let them know that jesus is who they need to go to that jesus is the one they need to respond to all right let's go back to the the verses that we were involved in here i'm going to start with john 3 18 john chapter 3 verse 18 there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. 
And the judgment, this is verse 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And then verse 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. The world is being judged daily. It's being judged because of the deeds of the people. The people who are living in this world who are not following the Lord or not following God uh, or not following Jesus for that matter, they are living in their according to their own devices. They're living in sin. Their deeds were evil. That's why it says here in verse 19, um, the people love the darkness more than they love the light. And the judgment, that's how they're being judged. They loved practicing evil. They loved doing things that were evil. That, those actions, that life, these lifestyles, these things that are contrary to God's word, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this, uh, these lifestyles, and this, and by the way, um, this applies to adulterers as well, everybody. Let's, uh, let's be very clear about that. People who live a lifestyle of sin and don't seem to have any problem with it, they indeed are going to be judged. And Jesus is the light. He declares himself to be the light that came into the world. He, in the book of John, he declares this more than once, that he is the light that helps to overcome darkness. He is the light that is the one that will prevail over darkness. But people love the darkness enough, so that's why they don't really care about who Jesus is. That's why they just deny his existence. Um, and that's really important for us to understand. A lot of people don't care. They don't really care uh, about Jesus and about what he has to, to give to them because they are so blinded by their own uh, devices, their own uh, mentality, their own way of thinking. They think their way is the best way, and they're going to live that way no matter what. And it doesn't really matter uh, what other people think, or they don't really care what other people think about them. They're going to live their own way. They've condemned themselves already. So that's what we need to recognize here. Jesus came into this world. He was, he of course is righteous. But he didn't come here to call upon the righteous. He called upon sinners for repentance. Let's see if we can find references here. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he was talking, oh, you know what? I should read verse 16. Let's start with verse 16. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So you have to understand something about the Pharisees. They are very, they were condemning. They didn't want to have anything to do and, and live this double standard, basically, that people who are of sinners don't have anything to do with them, which is not what God would have you to do. If anything, he wants you to talk to these people. He wants you to associate with them in such a manner where they understand what? The gospel of Jesus. So Jesus answered them in verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Jesus knew what his, his purpose was. He, Jesus knew what he needed to do. He wanted people to turn to the light of Christ in their lives so they would turn away, indeed, from the sin that they were involved in. And, of course, we have history, we have history in this world of sin just going and, and running rampant. Um, think about, uh, consider all the times when all the people who were sinners who are living in this world, um, and they indeed um, perished during the time of Noah. The only one to survive was Noah and his family. Consider Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at how um, there were not ten righteous people that could preserve either one of those cities from being uh, totally destroyed with fire and sulfur and burning sulfur. Um, the sin at that time was rampant and it's been rampant the entire time. This is a corrupt world. Um, and that's what we need to recognize is that with the world uh, perpetuates darkness at all times, but Jesus is our light. He is the light that preserves and keeps us. Uh, one more passage, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Let me see if I can pull that up very quickly. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the one who gave of his life for all of us. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for you. Personalize it. That's exactly what he did. All of us were born in sin. Without Jesus Christ and without the remedy that he provides for us with salvation, where would we be? We wouldn't be anywhere near having fellowship with him. And so, even though he speaks about these words of condemnation for those who refuse to acknowledge Jesus, we have salvation. We have eternal life because we do believe. And that's the important message. And so... This light that Jesus represents, he's also representing truth. He's telling the truth. You know, skeptics will always try to uh, put a label on what did Jesus really do for us? What did Jesus really accomplish for us? Did he really die on the cross for us? Did he really do all these things that, were, that uh, we read about, we, we hear about all this information? Well, there's historical background to it, so that's the starting point for it. And we need to recognize that... Um, it's really not our job to prove every single thing that happens. And this is where faith comes in. Without faith, we can't please God. Faith has to be in the picture for us to believe exactly what's being said here, especially when it comes to our eternal life and the fact that we have to be born again to have a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, when we leave this planet. And that's what we have to recognize here. It's important for us to also recognize, too, that once we believe in Jesus, that the work doesn't just stop by believing in Jesus. We need to also be in his word, studying his word and listening to what he has to say to us because he wants us to share this truth with others. So make sure that you're always in the word and studying and, frankly, training yourself to be able to speak. So when the time comes and when someone speaks to you about who Christ is, you can be prepared and ready to share that goodness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given to us to study your word. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence. Bless us, Lord, now 
as we take this truth and share it with a lost world. There are a number of people that we know who don't know you and don't care to know you. And Lord, we want to speak to those people who are truly wanting to listen to you. And Lord, send those people to us. Give those people to us so that we'll know who to speak to. And Lord, we already know that those who don't want to hear your truth, they're just going to let it drop to the floor and not do anything with it. But we thank you, Lord, that we have still been selected by you to speak your truth to others. Bless us at this time, Lord, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining me today for this first edition of the Sunday School Extra for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.